0: What a great privilege to be with you together and to sing together, to worship together. uh, As we were worshiping, I I remember back to way back when we couldn't gather, and so we were watching TV and doing church online, and uh, folks still are able to do that when they're out of town, so glad those folks can join us. But just uh, an incredible privilege. When people sing louder, people sing louder. Have you noticed that? Yeah, that's why when you watch online, it's just, you got to turn it way up during the music portion because when Matt is loud, I sound awesome. <laughs> really. And you do too when Matt is loud. So uh, really grateful. Hey, and, and our words matter to the Lord. When we uh, jump back into James this morning, we took a couple of weeks out to look at the gift of the ascension, the gift of prayer in Jesus' name, the gift of the Holy Spirit, what we would need to do all that Jesus called us to do. Now we jump back into our study of James, and we're going into chapter 3 this morning, and we're going to look at the truth we need to know when we speak, because words matter. Words spoken to the Lord matter. Words spoken to one another really do matter. And so there's something we need to know when we speak. And he he addresses two categories here of when we speak. First he says, let not many of you become teachers because what do teachers do? Yeah, 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 they talk like nonstop. Let not many of you become teachers. Why? knowing that as such, we will, we who are teachers will incur a stricter judgment. So the truth you need to know when you teach is this, that you will, when you speak as a teacher, expect a more strict judgment. Now you may think, well, that's not a great follow to, would you teach in SOS this uh, (laughs) summer? I don't want a more strict judgment. Hey, don't think, don't think just teaching as when you're on a platform or when you're in front of people. If you're a parent, you're a teacher. And so the point here is what? When you have a position or a place, whether it's formal or informal, and you are communicating, This book, Truth About God, Truth About the Person of Jesus, understand there is a stricter judgment simply because there's an accountability to, first of all, not be hypocritical. In other words, not to be the guy who just says a bunch of stuff but doesn't do anything. Not to be the gal who knows everything but actually doesn't live it out. There's an accountability. The best thing about teaching is you learn so much more. The worst thing about teaching is you're accountable for so much more. No, that's not the worst thing. That that is the privilege. Understand, I'm accountable. And we are accountable when we have opportunities to teach for what we say and and this. And you might want to add this. And to not lead others astray because sometimes the word gets perverted by folks and they say it says things it doesn't say. So we're not accountable to do what we say, but to not lead others astray. Don't take that too far. I'm not accountable if someone goes astray. You're not accountable if someone goes astray, accountable if you lead them astray. So I want each of you right now to think in your head, where are you a teacher? Where do you have that formal or informal role and go, my understanding, I'm accountable for that role because the accountability is great, but so is the, the impact. Speaking of words, here's uh, some words we got from a mom, from one of our, our moms in our kids ministry here. She simply wrote to our kids ministry directors, I wanted to thank you all, you do, to pour into the children who come to Sunday school and your dedication to teaching them biblical truth. It has reaped many benefits in my son's life already. My son has been struggling with nightmares Many of which seem to be fueled by his anxiety, and then he gets anxious about having more nightmares, and it creates a vicious cycle that has robbed him of sleep and only resulted in more frequent and scarier nightmares. We sought to comfort him and also to point him to Jesus in all of it, but it's been really hard. Tonight, she writes, at bedtime, my son and I were talking about his fears, about the dreams, and about how God is with us and is in control of our dreams. He randomly said, joy can take the bad dreams away. It wasn't something he'd ever said before, so I thought he misspoke, but he told me that he learned about joy in Sunday school when they learned about heaven. I mentioned the song... The joy of the Lord is our strength. And he immediately recited, God will strengthen you. He will help you. He will hold you in his righteous right hand. A recent memory verse at church. Oh, and did I mention? He's three. So if you think, uh, you're just babysitting. You're not. Really, when you teach... Throughout the year, when you serve NSOS this summer, you're not babysitting. You're making an impact. This mom says it led to such a good little talk and gave him the perfect verse to recite and remember when he's struggling with fear in the middle of the night. And even though he was understanding things at a little kid's level, I could tell it was clicking away it hadn't been before. So she says, I just wanted to tell you this long story to encourage you that even things you and your volunteers teach months earlier can make a lasting impact in someone even as young as three years old. I don't know what the next few nights hold, but tonight, my son went to sleep right away. So thank you for all you do. It's just, oh, <clears throat> uh, he, Sometimes it's, we just get lost. And I don't want you to take from James 3.1, oh man, run away from it. No. Seize the opportunity to make an impact. Just do it with eyes wide open. That's, that there comes with that opportunity for impact. Great accountability to let's be real, let's be genuine with the words that we speak. So that's specifically as a teacher. And I hope it gives you, you know, we ask for volunteers all the time, and it may f- seem like it's a hassle. It's really an invitation for the Lord to be at work through you in very specific ways. So then he moves from speaking as a teacher to generally when we speak. And he says this, for we all stumble in many ways. Who can relate to that? <laughs> yeah. Well, all the sinners sat up, all you saints sat, sat in a bag, you don't stumble with anything back there? <laughs> no, we all stumble in many ways. And then he goes, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. In other words, we all stumble in many ways, But when it comes to the words we speak, that's kind of the worst of the worst. That's what almost always gets us. And then he says, now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct direct their entire body as well. little bit, big horse, the bit moves the whole body. Look at the ships also. Though those are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. Hope you're getting the picture. Bit horse, rudder, massive ship, huge winds, and the little rudder sets the direction. So also the tongue is a small part of the body and yet it boasts of great things. In other words, it has great power. See how great a third example, a forest is set aflame by a spark. See, every massive thousands of acres of forest fire all started with a spark. What's his point? It's not hard to get. The truth you need to know is this (laughs) your words, your words have tremendous power. The words we speak, whenever we speak, have tremendous power. And that power swings in two directions. A tremendous power to turn a ship, to turn a horse, to turn a life for good. The tongue has tremendous power to to turn people for good. But it can swing the other direction, right? Your words have tremendous power to, what's the last one? What was the last image? (sighs) To burn people badly. Now, that's not a newsflash to any of you. For example, just by your own experience, by a show of your hands, and I really, I know some of you are like, I don't raise my hand in church, come on. By a show of hands, how many of you can say, oh, I remember... Words specifically that turned me for good in my life. How many of you? That's amazing. And here's what is often true. You remember them. And the speaker very well have no recollection. Thursday night a gal came up and said, uh, you met me came up for prayer after a service and you prayed for me and you said these words to me. She was like, you remember? And I was like, I remember that Thursday night. But that's the power of words on the receiver. By a show of hands, how many of you can remember a time in your life where you were burned badly by words? See, we've, we've experienced both sides of the sword. And some of you may go, mm, no, I've gotten one side of the sword more than the other, positively or negatively. But the reality is what he's saying here is this little thing called our tongue that God has given us to be able to speak has so much impact in other people's lives. For good and to cut to the core. And, and what I said about words that turn for good, the speaker may not remember. The speaker may not remember or even, oh, how badly they burned you. And now take it one step which tells me I burn people at times and don't even know it. Turn people, don't know it. Then I got to believe I burn people and don't know it. In this text, what so far it's gone, the words you speak matter. They matter because they have so much Power and another person's entire life. Some of those words have changed the trajectory of your life for good or for bad. They have built you up in ways you've never forgotten and just cut you in ways you've never forgotten. And here's why the power of the tongue is actually so scary, if you will. He goes on, verse six, and the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Man, is he packing a lot into the power of the tongue. For every species of beast and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by us. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. <laughs> this is why Proverbs says, where there are many words, sin abounds. <laughs> the power of the tongue is so significant. We all know it by our own experience. It's so powerful and We can't tame our tongue. We can't. And the reason we can't tame our tongue is this. It's what it's connected to. Jesus says, you brood of vipers to religious leaders. How can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. I cannot tame my tongue because my tame is, my tame, my tongue is directly connected to my heart. It just speaks what's In here, the good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. So I know the power of the tongue, but I can't tame it myself because it's directly connected to my heart, and I cannot change my heart. This is the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is not only that my sins are forgiven. The good news of the gospel is not only that though I deserve hell, I can receive heaven. The good news of the gospel at core is what? (laughs) I am given a, a new heart. If anyone, this is where uh, that our words, he says, are an overflow of our heart. And if anyone, I probably made that too fast. Uh, Our words are an overflow of our heart that's directly connected. And the good news of the gospel is if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. See, I can't tame my tongue because it speaks out of the heart and I can't change my heart. But the power of the gospel is God has, through his son, made it possible for you to receive a new heart. And where there's new heart, then new words are a possibility. Prior to that, I'm just waiting (laughs) To spew evil out of my heart. But with a new heart, I can speak new words. So here's a critical question What happens when a mouth that has been trained by an untamed heart is connected? To a new heart. Did you follow? What happens when when a tongue that's been trained by an untamed heart now gets connected to a a new heart? Because that's what happens when a person comes to Christ. They had a tongue connected to an untamed heart. Now they have a new heart. You know what happens? Here's what happens. With it... We bless our Lord and Father. New heart, new, new blessing, new praise. And with it, we curse men. Woo! What? Why? Why do we bless God and then turn around and curse one another on the way home from church? Because the new heart is new. And that tongue was trained by an old heart. So so you get the old junk that comes out of your mouth and you get the new stuff that comes out of the new heart. Can you relate to that? Uh, With it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes both blessing and cursing. My brethren, What's he mean by that? My fellow believers who have new hearts, this ought not to be this way. This blessing and cursing out of the same mouth, it ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening, both fresh and bitter, words that turn and words that burn, and can a fig tree, my brother, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. He's simply saying, "Church," and I don't mean church there; those gathered in a building. He's saying, "Church," those who have been reconciled and made one with God, who have been given new hearts. This still words that burn mixed in with words that turn. These things ought not to be this way. A new heart ought to be producing new words. And it's no longer connected. Both are coming out. Why? Because I can't tame it. but I can train. I cannot tame my tongue. Only God can connect it to a new heart. But then there is learning to train the tongue to speak out of the overflow of the new heart as opposed to what it was accustomed to doing of speaking out of the old heart. So how do I do that? How do I train my tongue? Well, I very specifically, I learn, I learn, I practice, I identify. Words connected to a new heart are words that bless. Words that turn people f- for good. And here's the good news. Most of us already know the words that turn people for good. It's not like, well, I don't, you know, Doug, could you write it down for me so I could just, you know, I have a friend who goes, if you'll just tell me the words to say, I'll say them. Actually, you already know the words that make a difference in people's lives. It's learning to, to speak them. Uh, like, uh, thank you. And, and I don't mean by that, thank you for passing me the salt and pepper. You know, not, not just thank you polite manners. I mean, it's fine to be polite. That's, that's good. But I'm not talking about thank you like, thank you for... Making my bed. Thank you for cleaning my room. I'm talking about this. Thank you for making a difference in my life. Every single person listening right now has had a person that God has used to make a difference in your life. Do they know that? In other words, have you simply used your mouth to tell them because what a difference you can make I got to speak to our amazing grades uh, that's our older ladies not old older ladies in our congregation they meet once a month and there's a whole bunch of them in a room this week and I got to just go share with them a little bit and uh and a gal named Donna uh, handed me a note afterwards. And, and the words in here weren't just thank you for coming, they were thank you for making a difference. My friend Carol came up just two weeks ago, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, and stood right here and, and said, Thank you for making a difference in my life, my marriage, my family. I want to encourage you uh, out in our guest gazebo there where we have our, our guest reception. We have a whole bunch, hundreds of these, just to thank you. And the, the O and the U has the fingerprint. It's simply a way of saying, you've touched my life. I want to encourage you. Your words can make a difference. To to think of somebody who's touched your life and let them know. How many of you like to hear words more than receive a note? You see, there's some, some people like to hear words, some people are like, no, write it down. How many of you would prefer spoken words? How many of you would prefer written words? Some of you don't prefer words. <laughs> I'm about to call somebody out. I don't know what it looked like over in North, but I was amazed Thursday night how many people preferred written words. And I was like, really? And then a person said to me afterwards, absolutely, I prefer written words. Because when somebody says something kind to me, it's really weird to say, could you tell me that again? be really weird if next week, hey, you know what you said to me last week? Could you like, uh, I'm not going to pick up, if you please just leave it on my voicemail, I'll be able to listen. That'd be weird. But you can take out this and read it multiple times. So written words can make a difference. Another person said to me, oh, I like it written, so I don't have that awkward moment of what do I say when somebody says kind to me? And so if they're not right in front of me, I'm so much more comfortable. Written words can make a difference. Anybody have, have you saved a note? Because it made a difference in your life? Yeah. Yeah. It can make a difference. Learn to speak words like God is using you. Huh. God is using you because every, every single, God has written eternity in our hearts. We're made in the image of God. Uh, nothing speaks to the heart when we have that sense that we are fulfilling our God-given, created purpose. God is using you. How can I help you? I don't know if I want to say those words. They might actually, oh, by this. How can I help you? That could turn a person's life by, how can I help you? I'm sorry. Mm. We've all heard that. They were like, oh, I never thought of saying I'm sorry. But how many relationships are still burning because there's an unwillingness to say, I am Sorry. And even harder. I was wrong. It's easier to say I'm sorry, right? Are you saying you were wrong? Well uh, I'm sorry. I was wrong? Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> it's just starting to I'm watching you squirm in your seat a little bit. I got this itch on my neck. I don't know about this. I am sorry. And I was wrong. I, 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 I'm serious when I say how many families live in brokenness it really saddens me. And the brokenness that so exists in so many families is because of a refusal to speak simple, known. Words that would turn toward good. I was wrong. I am sorry. And for you, or for the person that you say those words to, then say, "I forgive you." For this nine-word transaction to take place, I'm sorry. I was wrong, and then there to be said. I forgive you. We live, I hate this, but we live in years of brokenness when there's nine words away from burning to turning. I want to, I just want you to see those Those nine words would be like a bit in a horse's mouth that would turn. They're like a rudder on a huge ship with the wind of the Holy Spirit. You pointing and turning that rudder towards admitting wrong, seeking peace, seeking oneness. You can't make it all happen yourself. These are two different sides. I'm sorry I was wrong. And then the other side, I forgive you. But either this isn't happening or this isn't happening. Somebody's holding out the words that would turn for good. And I'm asking you, as James said, my brethren, my fellow believers in Christ, let's be people who don't withhold the words that keep the ship from turning for good. If we've done wrong, let's admit we're wrong. And when someone humbly says, I was wrong, grant forgiveness. Don't withhold it. Just, sometimes I just imagine what would happen in the marriages, what would happen in the families, what would happen in the relationships within the people of God If words that would turn for good would be spoken. So, if the Lord is speaking to you in any personal, unique way, don't resist, don't run, don't stiff arm him. Allow him to work. On the flip side, welcome is an unbelievably powerful word as well. Welcome, I'm glad you're here. That makes such a difference to an outsider, to a stranger. Welcome, I'm glad you're here. Jackie and I visited this church in 1987. And we loved what we experienced up here, but we didn't love what we experienced out there. And I hate to say this, but there was a time where Christian Family Chapel was not known as a friendly place. Say it more strongly, it was almost known as a rude place. Where we don't look out for strangers. We don't look out for guests. We don't look out for new people. Find your own way. So we we found our way to look for other churches we love so much about what was being taught and how it was being, seeking to model the New Testament. Three months later, we came back again. And this is how words matter. That Sunday, a man named Bert Bowden spoke to me in this room up here and simply welcomed and spoke words of Welcome. That makes a difference. We had a student say, just this past week, I've been changed by this ministry, and it all started because someone wrote to me, I'm glad you're here. The person wouldn't remember it, but the receiver Never forgets it. So, so powerful. An application of this. you know, we talk about words that bless and blesses how we want to make an impact locally, to begin with prayer, to listen, to eat, to serve, to share. Uh, a practical application of that is this ministry we're simply calling new movers. Let me find, uh, did I bring it? Yes. This may surprise you. Within the five zip codes surrounding CFC, there are an average of 1,000 homes bought every month. A 1,000. Just within the five zip codes around CFC. Now, I'm not making a real estate presentation here. <laughs> I am saying, do you see... The opportunity for what word? Welcome. Welcome. You could make a difference by a simple welcome to the street. Welcome to the neighborhood. And I, I know lots of you would go, yeah, we would love to do that. We just don't always know that. And so appreciate my friend Blake who has put this together, who says, if, if you want to be a person who would say, oh, if someone new, moves in right around me, let me know. And just to encourage, we're giving these welcome baskets that you could give to them. Now, let me be clear here. We're giving the basket. You're filling it. And you may go, oh, I don't want to give that basket. Well, fantastic. <laughs> give them a the basket you would like to. But the basket is a reminder that we'd simply want to say welcome to folks who may be brand new. So uh, we're going to send out an email this afternoon that simply says, if you'd like to do this, Opt in, say yes, and here's what will happen. When someone moves in near you, not like a mile from you, but near you, like on your street right around you, we will send you an email that says, hey, here's a person who's moved in. And you can go, excellent, go get your basket, come get a basket from us, and go to the doorstep and say what? Welcome. welcome. In that welcome basket, with the basket, we'll give you an invite and a gift card to the table for a cup of coffee and a really cool card that allows you to share what you like about the neighborhood in terms of sights, bites, and community. Where do you like to eat? Where do you like to, what do you like to go see? Where do you like to hang out? It's kind of a very practical welcome. And then you put whatever else you want in it. We're not automatically signing you up, but if you go, man, I'd like to do that. Just let us know. Just respond to the email. But here's the point, though. That really does make a difference. You could change the trajectory of somebody's life by simply being the first person that welcomes them. And maybe they get to experience Jesus like they haven't experienced before. So we learn to speak Words that bless, and we learn to not speak. That's it. We just don't speak the words that burn. We're training, right? When you're training, you learn physically, you learn the foods that you're supposed to eat, and you eat them, and you learn the the foods you're not supposed to eat and you do your best to stop eating them. This is all we're talking about. So when we speak words that burn, learning to stop, I think we need to confront. At least all I had to do is look at my own life and go, all right, what do I need to learn to not speak words that burn? First, stop excusing sinful words as temporarily acceptable. You understand what I'm saying? You ever given yourself freedom to just go off? I'm not going to stay there, but you just, I, I, I just, it was just a rant. As if it's temporary, it's acceptable. Ever given yourself that excuse? If I'm going to learn to not speak words that burn, I have to go, no, no. I don't just get to go off on my spouse. They know I don't really mean it. Still burns. Second, stop thinking it's fake to not say all you think or feel. Uh, this No, I'm just being real. No, you're burning. Do you have to say everything you think or feel? <laughs> no, you don't. Oh, it's just fake. No. I would rather you fake like me than genuinely burn me. <laughs> Third, stop asking what will make me feel better in the moment and what will actually serve the other person. Sometimes we just say stuff because it's going to make us feel better in the moment. And we burn people. And literally, you may have heard yourself say this. Well, that made me, I, I feel better now. You're a flame, but I feel better. So I'm going to, no, in the moment, I'm going to say, even if I have the right to retort, I'm not going to retort. Just to make myself feel better. Can't tame this. Can only connect it to a new heart. I like can train it. Don't say that. Don't say that now. Don't say that this way. Say this: Just don't think good thoughts. Speak them. And as we think about the content of our words, Proverbs says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. In other words, everything about it is right, a word fitly spoken, meaning it's just not the content of my words that matter, it's the timing and the tone of my words. See, we can learn to dress up, to clean up the content. But sometimes it's harder <laughs> to change the tone and the timing. I know my wife would say, Doug, it's your tone. <laughs> and I'm, I want to go, yeah, but I, I didn't say anything wrong. I wanna defend content, and she's gone, "Uh, I'm not really getting the content. I'm getting the tone. Okay, you guys are agreeing with that way too much. They're like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. No, that's how much it matters. Because right words spoken in the wrong tone ends up changing the intent in the receiver's perception. And so we end up with good content, but timing, I mean, there's good things to say. There's just wrong times to say it. And sometimes the wrong time is never. A couple months ago, I burned my son. Not by the things that I said, but what I didn't say. It was my silence. It was a moment that words were needed, and I didn't speak them. And it burned me. And I hate that. So, no, no excuse, just... "I'm sorry. It was wrong. Because I know that was a moment for words. When he said, Bridle the tongue and you'll be perfect, did he mean you'll never sin? No, back up. He didn't say, Bridle this and you'll be perfect. He's gone, Bridle this. And you will have taken steps towards maturity that will impact your entire life. Because what's true for others about your your speech is true for you. When you learn to train this, you won't be perfect, but you will have moved towards maturity. So bless and turn away from burning and ask. Is my tone and my timing as good as my content? It's how we want to examine ourselves. So I think you probably, as you've been listening, maybe you've only been thinking of the people who speak to you, but I hope you've been thinking about the words that you speak to others. Jesus said that One of the things that we ought to do when we remember his death on our behalf is to examine our hearts. So I'm gonna invite the men to come forward now and they're gonna pass the elements of what we understand from the scriptures to be what we call the Lord's Supper. And as we remember his death on our behalf, yeah, you can put your stuff away if that helps you. When, When we remember him, let me make sure we're clear. Thanks, Jeff. What this is about, because this may be uncertain or unknown for some of you. If it's known, don't go into repetition mode right here. We are remembering that the perfect son of God died a horrible death physically and Took on the punishment for our sin. That's what we're remembering right now. That we deserved hell and the wrath of God, and Jesus gave Himself as our substitute. That this unleavened cracker is the reminder that He was without sin and His body was broken pierced, crucified, broken for us. And this cup is the reminder that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might not only be forgiven but experience the righteousness of God. That's what we're remembering. Jesus and his death in our place. And he says when we do this to examine ourselves. Are we living out of the new heart that he has purchased for us? You see that? Are we living out the love, the joy, the good that he has purchased for us? So specifically, let's take a moment and examine. And where we've see our words have burned, Where we've withheld words that would have been good to turn to bless. Confess that to the Lord. If He brings something to mind, would you, in this time of an examination, commit to not just saying Lord I'm sorry but going to the recipient of your words and say to them I'm sorry I was wrong and would you in this time of examination consider are you withholding forgiveness being unwilling to forgive as you have been freely forgiven by
1: Jesus. sing these words with me. We pray to our Lord. To you, only
0: to you. Lord Jesus, as we hold these elements, we thank you that you have placed within us through faith a new heart so that we could speak from a new place. That we could speak truth as you are truth. That we could speak love as you are love. That we could speak peace as you are peace. Thank you for the new heart uh, that we have in Christ. Thank you for paying the penalty for our sin. And for forgiveness. Even though I know as... So many of us, in this time of confession, we we confess the things that we've confessed over and over and over and over again. That you abound in grace. Thank you for love that is limitless. We take now in remembrance of you. Let's take together. You know, As we take the elements, they're the, the reminder that, that Christ has not only done something for us, He's made us one with Him. And that we have in Him new life, new power, resurrection power to live and to speak in newness of life. And so stand with me and let's declare our, our gratitude for resurrection power.
1: I have resurrection power living on the inside Jesus. You have given us freedom and no longer that so friends as we go um, let's go in the power of the spirit and let's go with words that bless and not words that burn Um, we'll see you next time thanks so much for spending time with us today see you next time